This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. That's a good, yeah, great, yeah, exactly. I, I agree. It's a, it's a really good... I definitely recognize that in myself, you know, eating is kind of like, you know, something you have to do. It's, it's okay. I'm not so bad, but there's a lot of improvement, you know, room for improvement. But, um, so when coming back to these, uh, types, martyrs, strivers, avoiders. So how, how would you usually, um, you know, how you say that you would want everybody to become drivers, yeah? So um, what is like um, maybe a common problem, for example, for avoiders? Uh, you can maybe tell to our listeners who you think is an avoider when it comes yeah. to self-care. Yeah, Yeah. now avoider is the, the most complicated of these. I, and I want to, you know, have, make a quick, you know, commentary that this is, very amateur personality typing. I've never done any uh, validated questionnaires on these personality types or, or anything like this. But I think at least with um, Striver and Martyr, a, a lot of people listening will probably get, you know, re- those will resonate with people. They'll Definitely. sort of- Definitely, yeah. yeah. Right, and uh, I don't remember exactly, and I don't know if it was a colleague or if it was a client or if it came to me on my on my own or some combination of those, but that's when I, I had this, this saw that there was this third category. And uh, they're the, I think they're the most difficult not to crack. And because I, I don't think that they're um, what they've learned to do over their life is to, I don't mean this judgmentally, they've learned to pretend that their self care doesn't impact their life. Um, they've learned to, um, to avoid that that relationship between eating habits, exercise habits, overall self-care habits, and their well-being. Um, now, I've been, you know, uh, pleasantly surprised that people that I might uh, characterize that way that I know on a surface level, either in them coming to me as a client or them opening up in a, in a, personal relationship on some level that almost as, as I was talking about earlier, they're not avoiding it as much as I think they are. Uh, they are, they are thinking about it. And this is probably true of other areas of life. Like right? we might be able to observe in ourselves or someone else. Oh, they're the way they're uh, accumulating debt. Uh, that's going in a bad road down, down a road. And they seem to be able to pretend that it's not a problem. Uh, I think there's actually something about human nature that we're only sort of half pretending. We actually are sort of carrying the burden of that on some level. Now, one interesting thing is that with, in my observation, with all of those personality types, uh, what, and this is a hard thing about human nature. I, I don't, uh, I, w- I almost wish this wasn't part of human nature, but it, it, it seems to be, is that it's it's coming to a point of pain that usually creates a, a, the, the opening for a shift in thinking and approach. And uh, 
striver, martyr, or avoider, it's it's usually that. Um, I, I'm thinking of someone in my mind that I think more fits the the characterization of avoider, and he became a client of mine. I knew him locally before that, so that's how I feel like I had a sense of his personality. And he's a he's a he's a man of few words. Uh, his personality could be described as stoic. Um, and so I took that as, uh, he's not concerned with this kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, he, he reached out and wanted to work with me and then, uh, agreed to a six month course of session and paying for that. And that demonstrates some interest in caring about this. Then he remained rather stoic. Um, it's interesting having hour long wellness sessions with clients, you know, there are people who are talkers and I have to wrap it up or we, we could go on for hours and hours. This gentleman, I was being as, as um, open and receptive and listening as, as best I could. And I couldn't keep him talking for more than 20 minutes. He just didn't, <laughs> have, he just didn't have much to say about this. He knew he wanted to, uh, significantly lower his blood sugar levels. He knew he wanted to significantly lose weight. Uh, to the more emotional questions such as, why is this important to you? Or um, what will this bring to your life? He didn't have that much to say initially. But then it didn't take long. And uh, it was only in our second or third session, he opened up about uh, a high school classmate. He was in his 60s at the time. So a high school classmate of his coming by his home or office and talking about uh, really severe complications of type 2 diabetes. And uh, I don't remember if it was imminent or really close to being imminent surgeries and things you know, related to that. And this, this man, you know, very emotionally said to me, I'm, I'm too young for those kind of problems. I have, there's, too much. There's, there's a lot I want to do. And, you know, that's, I'm not going to let that happen to me. And he was, he was emotional. You know, he was, you know, 10% away from tears, uh, thinking about his well being. And, uh, the, the point of that story is that I, I think deep down, you know, even though our, we live in these technologically advanced societies with tremendous medical care, deep down, most of us are aware that we're not that far away from a real problem, you know, with, with, with our well-being. And when that becomes more clear to someone, whether it's through an experience of a peer like this gentleman or through a conversation with a physician and uh, lab results, uh, it really does... Um, move people. It really does um, sort of stir something up in people. And that's something we, we use as wellness coaches. Uh, we, we, uh, the, uh, this might have come up in our last conversation, but the, the Latin root of the word emotion essentially means to move, to agitate, to stir. Um, and what we uh, sometimes mistake in medicine, nutrition, exercise, physiology is that the way we'll motivate people is with information. Um, information by definition, if we're doing information well, it's emotionless. 
right? If we're doing, if we're practicing science well, it's relatively that's science, entirely <laughs> emotionless, right? It's that, that's one of the definitions of the word clinical is sort of like cold and emotionless, right? And uh, so it's an interesting challenge is that we need to use information and we need to be clinical. And in the game of motivation, we need to uh, to use uh, a client's motivation for all that it's worth, because that emotion is what's going to move them to change and and improve. So how how did it go with this, with that gentleman? Did you you know did he improve or what happens happened to yeah, him? It, it went it went it went fairly well, and it, it, you know what's this is this is kind of heartening is that. Um, his, you know, his fundamental temperament or personality remained. Uh, he didn't all of a sudden become the most outwardly emotional, outwardly passionate person, but he used uh, his emotions and he used his 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 values and what was personally important to him uh, to to really make some changes. And um, yeah, I would say he had what is the uh, fairly typical. Uh, not necessarily uh, Hollywood style sexy transformation, meaning you see the things that that come up on Facebook and uh, that it's a before and after photo and someone um, it's a whole different person, right? What I often see in in something like six months, which is my most common way of working with a client, if they have weight to lose, they lose something like a pound a week in a, in a very sustainable fashion. Uh, and things like blood pressure and blood cholesterol levels and blood sugar levels optimize. And, and and that's roughly what this gentleman saw. He probably lost about 20 pounds. I, if I'm remembering right, his blood pressure and um, blood cholesterol levels were were fine to start or or decent. It was his blood sugar that was a real problem, and he was able to to make a lot of progress with that. Yeah, that's great. And I'm I'm quite sure that the you know the slow changes are more permanent. So it's quite it's it's really important that people can keep up with the routine i'm i'm sure many of us sometimes on some area have tried something you know trying to get into shape uh to run a 5k fast or you know do something in a short notice and it doesn't really work very well so i'm sure i'm sure your way is better so um mm, do you think that the behavior patterns that we or, or personalities that we just talked about, uh, do you think they, you know, we are born with them, or do you think they develop as you know as we're children? Do we copy them from our parents, or how do you think somebody turns up to be a martyr, for example? I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, we do come into life with a bit of a temperament. You know, I noticed that in my nephews and nieces. Uh, and then certainly our, our personality that forms is tremendously influenced by, by our upbringing. Uh, there's, there's just no doubt about that. Um, the idea that we don't do what our parents uh, tell us to do, we become our parents, I think is, is very interesting. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're watching them, you know, very, very, very closely when we're at our youngest, uh, they're gods to us, right? They are our path to how to grow up and 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 be an adult. Uh, 
So well below um, rational thought, we are emulating them and ultimately, you know, becoming them in many ways. And then we're shaped also by uh, by personal experiences, you know, that that are unique to you know that that for example that our brothers and sisters might not have, even though we had the same parents. You know, my experience of being um, overweight as a teenager and the the the, the pain of that uh, and how I reacted to that, the ways I wanted to protect myself, certainly formed how I approached behavior. You know, going into young adulthood. Uh, yeah, I think this is a this is an incredible. You know, it's it. This is an interesting. There's a, there are a few interesting areas to explore as a wellness coach because I am uh, almost hyper focused on working with an adult individual, right? And so, uh, what we're really working with are the parameters uh, within that person, uh, and what they have access to at that point in their life in terms of their family and their community and and all of that. But if we're looking at the question of what what factors contribute to a robust 35-year-old or 45-year-old or 85-year-old or 95-year-old, then uh, certainly our our upbringing is a is a, is a huge factor, and there's there's a lot of good scientific evidence to to support that idea. And you brought something up earlier um, beyond. Our family, uh, the the local community we live in, the larger culture that we live in, um, all present ideas and circumstances that that have an influence on us. Are you a medical doctor, physical therapist, personal trainer, or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier, better life? Imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time provide you with more income. Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching. The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. The device collects subjective physical activity data from your client. Fibian helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibian now at Fibian.com. Definitely, yeah. Have you I, I myself find that um, it sometimes motivates me uh, because I know that my child is taking, you know, he's kind of learning everything from us. And I, from, for example, from my own life experience, I know that um, having uh, regular eating times has not been always like that at, at my home. And uh, and this is why I think I, I was struggling with that. It's it's not like eating unhealthy, but it's just very unregular. So So I'm just trying to... I'm trying to teach something else for my my child because I know that otherwise he's going to have to do it by himself. Do you find that motivating parents through their children? Do you do that, or does it come up with the clients? Do the clients find that motivational? Yes, uh, yes, with an exclamation point. You know, when when I ask broad, open-ended questions that are 
that are leaning toward uh, a person's values, I would go so far as to say that a, a very high percentage of the values that a person speaks out when they say why um, taking good care of themselves is important to them comes down to people. Uh, so it's not always their children, but it, it, to people broadly and, and to, to parents, uh, it, is, it is very common to say, yes, well, this will improve my life and I want to be a good role model. I want to have my kids get off to a good start. I want to make sure they're not struggling with this in their 30s and 40s. Um, I think that's very common. Uh, now, I, there's also something that's very interesting, which is uh, I've seen this happen a lot recently. So it's really on the top of my mind, which is uh, a parent's kids will start to get involved specifically with helping with uh, with eating habits in some way. Now that the kid isn't thinking of eating habits, they're thinking of it as, as I'm helping with dinner or I'm helping with food shopping or I'm picking out recipe, you know, and um, what's really neat is that that role modeling is happening, but it, it, uh, it adds motivation for the adult. It's so uh, I'll give you an example is uh, I'll have, I have some clients who have, got their kids involved with, you know, using their, their phone or computer to, to look up recipes and then they'll make something together and the kids will really, they don't view it as a chore. They view all these different ingredients as something to play with. And the next weekend will come around and the parent, if they were only relying on their own motivation, might be thinking, oh, prepping some food for this week is a chore. But the kids come, you know, figuratively or literally tugging at their pant leg saying, can we make soup again, mom? And <laughs> yeah. what, what, the, what happens here is it's, it's almost the motivation equivalent of having a workout partner because, you know, if someone is, doesn't want to go to their workout that often will, will get them there is that their partner calls and says, Hey, we're meeting to go to the gym at 10 o'clock. Right. Um, so that's, that is a, a, a really neat thing is when the, when the family is in something together, uh, the primary person who might be working on improving their habits uh, has a team working with him or her, and that can be very helpful. Ah, that's a, that's a good idea, and I I can see this happening. Yeah, I also have this uh, I I have this feeling. I don't have really research; it's just my own uh, experience. Is that I have a feeling that children take in, you know, they adults have information, and they don't maybe act according to that. But I have a feeling that like children might do it a bit better. My child has been watching some some TV shows which are really smart, you know, saying about why sugar is bad for you, and it's it's quite sophisticated and and it's you know it's been told in a way that is really interesting to a five year old, and then he's thinking it to himself that you know should we do that or <laughs> or like should we take that and 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 I've been really kind of fascinated that how come it's so important for him and and so so I've been thinking that maybe children take it in another you know on another level I don't know I'm not an expert on that I think it's a, I it's an observation that I share and I think I've if I if I re remember back even to my childhood uh there were things that I was taught at school or maybe saw in a television program and uh yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange experience because it's almost as though the kid is smarter than the parent on a certain 
and and that has that has that's that's interesting it, it can be a messy dynamic too um because parents don't generally want to be told what to do um by their kids uh, but I, I i bet there are there are there are experts that are aware of this that um something like public wellness messages to five to ten year olds have certain impact and and then the same impact on an adult and it's almost as if you've got a certain amount of public wellness money or time that you're if you're trying to make the largest impact it might be better spent uh on young people in some ways maybe i should uh, look for somebody to co come on the podcast to talk about that so <laughs> that's a great topic yeah um so um does your approach like or the maybe the methods does it differ when you work with different types of people or do you usually follow the same kind of like route or path no it it, it definitely is uh is custom and and it's even a better word than custom might be improvisational in the sense that you don't you don't know what what is there with a person until you get to know them and you don't know uh why this is important to them you don't know what their uh interests and strengths are and how they will bring those to the table and so uh i've seen coaches in different realms including in wellness as the field has emerged and especially before there's there's a little more uniformity now that when people say wellness coaching now they primarily mean something like uh applying you you know using self-determination theory as the basis and and using motivational interviewing as the as the primary um methodology and within that is very much a uh an open-ended improvisational let's create this together as we go approach uh but you know, before that had congealed, there were definitely more people that would say, all right, I'm going to be your wellness coach for 12 weeks. And in week one, we're going to work on this. And in week two, we're going to work on this. And week three, we're going to work on this. Um, at this point, I would almost consider that to be a distinction between something like education and coaching. Yeah. Or, um, or, you know, in coaching is still a tricky word because that that model would also work if we're talking about like, sports coaching or coaching to learn to play a musical instrument that might work really well to have a curriculum based on you learn fundamental a first then you learn fundamental b second um but if we're talking about coaching um through this i through the lens of motivational interviewing then it's then it's not scripted like that i think that even like mm, there's this uh I think there's just different maybe levels. I'm just thinking even sports coaching, usually when you start, then it's more you have a curriculum and there's some things you have to do, you know, just to get maybe on a certain level. But then when you get there, it becomes more complicated and you don't have this formula anymore. You have to be improvisational, as you said. So, so yeah, it's a good way of looking at that. Yeah. So, um, so the new year has started and uh, people give promises to themselves and to others. Have you, do you have a promise that you have given to yourself about the new year? Fun question. Uh, really, it's about maintaining boundaries with my schedule. 
you know, I know the things that are most important to me, both with my work and outside of my work. And I know how those impact each other. And I think uh, technology is a factor. It's very easy to get asked to do things. Um, and, uh, and, and the, most of these things can be done at any time. So we could be doing them early in the morning, late at night, during the week, on the weekend. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy for me to uh, habitually, you know, blame that on someone external to me of, you know, uh, why is someone calling me about this on a Saturday morning? But my, if I'm honest with myself, it's the expectations that I've created. And uh, so that's what I really want to want to want to practice this year. And it has to do, you know, to some degree with these personality types that we've spoken about is, you know, that's what I have to look at is what do I think bad will happen if I, if I say no. And I've also learned that it's not, it's not black and white. It's, it's sometimes saying, uh, I can't do that right now. I've made time to do, have those kind of conversations every Thursday between nine and noon. Uh, does one of those times work for you? And that's a way to, it's a way to collaborate with people so that you're helping meet their needs while they're still helping meet your needs. Uh, it's, it's a lot of communication, but did I just read between the lines that you, um, there's a bit of one of these types in yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, if I'm honest, you know, I've thought about, and, and our conversation has inspired me that maybe I will do this uh, in the future. One, one of my visions for my practice slash business is in addition to my personal wellness coaching service is to have an online community of some kind where it would take a lot of these ideas and tools and make them available in more of a do-it-yourself format as a way of reach reaching more people. And um, I think an interesting tool uh, on there, like an, almost an assessment tool, would be something that has 10 or 20 questions and it it rates you as striver, martyr, avoider, thriver. But my vision for this is it would you wouldn't be one of those things. Uh, it would be more like the Myers Briggs test, um, where you'd get a percentage. You know, you you'd be thirty percent this, twenty two percent this, sixty six percent this, because that's my experience is that I have a little bit of. Uh, I don't think I have any avoider in me at this point in my life. I think there definitely were times when I did, uh, but I think I have some martyr and striver in me, in me for sure. I'm, I'm quite sure many of us are a mix of, you know, all this, but yeah, I, I, I wish you do that. I, I'd love to take this test, even though I, I have a feeling that, you know, what are my percentages maybe, but, but, um, so do you have any other um, projects that you'd like to tell about to our listeners or, um, you know, from where can people find you if they would like to contact you? So uh, to projects, I think, you know, something worth bringing up is uh, one of my uh, commitments this year is to do more present, make more presentations for businesses. Uh, this is this is to try to solve that problem of I really, really love doing personal wellness coaching. And I think on many levels, most people or, or many people need that kind of attention uh, to make the kinds of lifestyle improvements they need to make. 
And the only frustrating thing about it is because it's so intensive, the reach remains fairly small. Uh, but so if I get into a business that has 5,000 employees and they host me for a wellness talk and 400 of their employees show up, uh, and that's, it's very easy to do now with, you know, with zoom and, and other platforms, that's a neat way to, to spread some of these ideas further and, and wider. Uh, so, you know, if anyone out there is listening, that is a, an employee and would love to have wellness talks or they're a human resources professional. Uh, they could reach out to me. And probably the best way these days is through LinkedIn, just to just to look me up on LinkedIn um, and then contact me through there. Okay, yes, I hope people will, will contact you. And uh, um, I think we are getting into the end of our talk today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Jason. And um, and I I wish all the best for, for this upcoming year. I hope you, I, I will find this test coming up soon somewhere on LinkedIn okay. to my feed and um, um, last but not least uh, I would like to thank you first and of course thank all our listeners for listening to our podcast today thank you Jason thank you very much for having me Lise thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research podcast if you like the show Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.